What's up, fam, and welcome to the Healthy Fit and Pain-Free Podcast. This podcast is meant to give you easy, implementable, no BS advice to help make you stronger, more resilient, and bring out your inner badass to help you get back to doing the things you love with the people you love. I am your host, Dr. Tyler Bordick. I am a physical therapist, a strength conditioning coach, and co-owner of Inner Strength Physio Fitness Athletics in Pittsburgh. If you're ready, jump on the bus, buckle in, and let's rock and roll. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to the Healthy Fit and Pain-Free Podcast. I'm your host, Doc T, and we are on episode 77 here, getting closer and closer to that 100. Um, And today I wanted to tackle another question of the day. This is question today number seven. Again, if you out there have any questions that you want me to answer or anything that you feel like would be purposeful to know, please uh, you can always send me a direct message, send me a an email, whatever. Um, at the end of this podcast, you'll be able to find ways you can get a hold of me. Send me your questions. I would be happy to answer them because I love helping you know more about yourself and to be healthier, obviously. So today for the question, it is how long should pain last? And uh, I dove in this question. This is a question um, from one of our members, Amy, and she brought this up because she doesn't really experience injuries frequently, but there are moments time to time where pain does kind of sneak up, and it can be a little bit – pain can be very confusing, um, and people tend to not navigate. We have a very bad perception of, of pain. Um, I really – I hate – to be honest with you, I hate talking about pain because I feel like as a physical therapist, we talk about pain all the time, and that's all the people ever come to us is because they're in pain. Um, and you know, it's, it's, you know, but it's, it comes with the territory, right? Um, and I think it's not necessarily that I am, that I get frustrated with people coming to me about pain. I think it's the fact is we, again, our perception of pain is very off. So it's kind of why I wanted to do this episode to give you a little bit of a better idea there. So, um, that being said, let's dive into a little bit. And, you know, it's funny, um, to really start off this episode, uh, I was talking with a gym friend of mine. He has a PT friend. His PT friend basically said that, you know, if people knew how to properly move, um, manage stress, like not just like stress as far as lifestyle, but stress from everything, um, and how to just adapt changes, I would be out of the job. <laughs> Simple, Right. Um, so throughout this podcast, we're going to be talking about acute pain, how long it should last, how you can kind of go about um, treating it, uh, what's called DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. We'll also be talking about tendinopathies. Um, so this is like tendinitis and stuff like that. Um, again, same thing, how long you should expect them to last, what you can really do to help treat them. Uh, stress pain. This, there's this very generalized term here, but we'll kind of dive a little bit more into like stress and how stress can cause a lot of pain. And then chronic pain, um, you know, pain that lasts for longer than three months. Um, where it comes from, why it's there, and again, uh, as I always, three actionables at the end of how to treat it. So, what is pain? Um, so, to begin with, how pain actually happens is that, so we have what's called nociceptors in our body. And these are nerve endings that whenever they experience a certain stimulus, um, this is typically due to like chemical reactions to the body. This is typically due to physical stress on the body. Um, electrochemical things happen, all that stuff. Um, whenever there is a, um, so like homeostasis, homeostasis, right? That's where our body is. Everything is equal. Everything is normal. All is well. Um, if there's a little bit of a change in that, the body, um, the body experiences that. The body, like you know, that's why we have nerve endings. That's why we have uh, joint receptors. That's why we have things in the body that can measure where we are at in space. Whenever there, whenever there's a little bit of a disruption, our body becomes hyper aware of that. Now, once that disruption goes past a certain point, it is now our body's job, which is our brain essentially, our brain's job to interpret what exactly that information means, okay? Um, This can kind of lead to a shoot or don't shoot the messenger type of scenario here. 
So again, once there's disruption, uh, now it's your body has to perceive what exactly that disruption is. And sometimes that perception becomes pain. Okay. So again, um, it's all due to pressure changes. It's due to electrical, chemical um, type of changes, physical changes, what have you. And then the body has to interpret that. Now, when this happens, when that area of the brain lights up that there is something going on, um, this is called sensory-wise, there's sensory areas of your brain, your brain starts communicating with itself on you know, exactly how to judge and how to change things because of this, um, because of this quote-unquote pain um, or this, this, this disruption. And so then from that change, now you know, this is where it beco you become aware of what exactly is going on. And again, when I say, you know, I, I use it again, like I mentioned, don't shoot the messenger for, per se. Um, I say that because the brain is only perceiving. The brain is not actually making accurate judgments. Sometimes it is. Don't get me wrong. If you, if you're chopping wood and you miss, you miss swing and you take off your foot. Yes, very accurate that the pain that you're experiencing is coming from the fact that you just chopped off your own toe, right? But it gets a little bit more sticky and a little bit more difficult, and that's what we, I really want to cover today. Is how it's not just one sided. I don't want you to think that just because you're experiencing this disruption that that means that there is injury happening because more, more often than not, that's typically not the case of what's going on. So um, part, uh, the, the first part of this I want to talk about is acute pain. So acute pain is typically if you have an incident, this, this is what you would uh, attribute like an injury. So an injury is typically acute. Uh, so this would be like you're walking down the street and your foot accidentally goes into a pothole and then you roll your ankle. Um, or this is whenever you're throwing a ball with your kids and, auto, and you know, auto, instantly you kind of feel this pain in your shoulder. Uh, this could be in the gym. This could be you really testing boundaries and going a little too heavy and then you have to drop the weight or you experience something in your knee. What have you. Acute pain is typically lasts up to two weeks. Okay. Um, and after that is no longer technically acute pain or injury. Um, again, that gets a little bit sticky, but just, that just kind of gives you the, the nomenclature there. So with acute injury, so how long do these last? Um, and again, this really depends on the area. Now, if we go back to the chopping off the foot scenario, obviously the acute part of this is going to last a lot longer because there's a lot more disrupted. You know, you hacked off the bones, the tendons, the nerves, the blood supply, all that stuff. So yeah, there's a lot more involved. But if we're just talking about typical like day-to-day -day injuries, so let's say like a muscle, a muscle strain, okay? Um, again, this could be that you picked up something that you shouldn't have. This could be that you tried to put something over, like extensively reach putting something over your head, put your shoulder in a, in a pissy angle. Um, this could be, again, we're talking about walking down the street, rolling your ankle. Um, or you, this could be a sports injury. You know, this could be either someone hitting you, you hitting someone, you trying to make a turn and it didn't work out. Um, you land like you falling and you landing on what they call an outstretched arm. Um, these are all things that can cause acute injury. When it comes to muscle injuries, muscle injuries can last from two weeks, which is typically, um, you know, what they, they go by a grade scale. So like grade one is where there's just a little micro tear in the muscle, um, more of a pull. If, and this is where you typically hear like the term pulled muscle. Okay. This typically lasts about two weeks, um, and a lot of times this is mostly due to uh, those nerve receptors that we talked about. Now, we'll go into this a little bit more in the DOMS part of this, but what typically happens is whenever we do experience some sort of injury in the body, our body becomes hypersensitive because it realizes that something happened. Again, this is where we're talking about injury. It realized something happened, and so now it's giving a crap ton of signal to that area because it doesn't want it to happen again. It wants to make it super sensitive because it's afraid. Again, your body is just perceiving. It's afraid that if you do something remotely close to what you did before, it's going to happen again. 
and so it, it prevents you from doing it. That's why when you walk, you're limping. Um, limping is your body sending that supply, sending that signal, excuse me, to the um, to like your, your lower body, your legs. It's doing that because it's afraid that you're going to injure it again, so it's trying to compensate so that it won't happen. Okay. Now, muscle injuries can go the whole way up to six months. Um, if you're talking like a grade three strain, if you're talking like a full tear to the muscle, um, this could be up to six months. And now, now we're talking about this is typically if you have a full tear, this is where surgery is going to come into play. And that is why it's six months because you have them actually artificially going in there, putting the muscle back together. And then, you know, now you got to wait for things to heal. You don't want to overstretch it too fast because then this is going to happen again. Uh, things like ligaments, you know, sprained ankles. Um, uh, if you have like a uh, like hip capsule sprain, stuff like that. If you have um, knees, you know, like your MCL, your ACL, stuff like that. Um, ligament injuries can last anywhere from two weeks. Again, two weeks is the acute, all the way to twelve months. Now, again, we're talking about grade one, where it's you basically just pulled the ligament, if you will. Um, where it just you went outside the length that it likes to be in, but then you you know whenever you talk about complete tear, this is again where your body you know or excuse me somebody has to go in, they have to stitch it back together, and now we got to protect it. Um, now again, ligaments really vary. Um, ankles you can tend to be okay within six months or under. If you're talking about things like ACLs though this gets a little bit more challenging, um, especially if you're an athlete. So there's other things coming to play too. If you're a very physically active person, um, obviously the recovery might be, and realize that the only reason that is because you want to get back something very intenseful, where if there's someone who's very sedentary, all they want to get back to is sitting on a couch, which they can do right away. So their lifestyle is kind of the same, right? Um, now, things like shoulders, uh, shoulder injuries, just to give you an idea, these can last up to three to six months. You know, it kind of depends. Um, knee injuries can be very similar. You know, and again, this is because there's so much involved here and we're not being super specific, that's why it can be such a large gap. Um, so again, you can have a knee injury and within a week you can bounce back or it can go the whole way up to six months. Um, but there's other things at play here. It's not just the acute injury. As a, a PT that I follow that I love that was kind of been a mentor, even though he doesn't know it. Um, Mike Reynolds is his name. He always talks about that sometimes the reason being we have chronic pain is because we keep acutely injuring the area. So it's not always the fact that um, the pain just lasting that long. It could be, you know, we have where either our movement is, is very poor um, our lifestyle around that movement is poor, or we just keep doing really stupid things, and that's why we keep having that acute cycle. Real quick story here. Uh, whenever I was a clinical PT, I had a guy one time come in. He had sur shoulder surgery, um, what is called a, uh, a labral repair of his shoulder. Um, basically, like your shoulder is like a golf ball sitting on a golf tee. It's very, there's a lot of movement, but it's also, it can be very unstable. So your labrum is like a mitt that's underneath that, that tee that goes around the ball that keeps it more stable. So he tore that, had to get surgery on it, and he kept acutely injuring the shoulder after doing it because him and his wife had a very active love life, if you will, and he would try really stupid things. Like if you ever watch Magic Mike and you see the scene where Channing Tatum picks a girl up who's sitting on a chair and swings around the room. Yeah, he did that three weeks after surgery. And three weeks after surgery, you're not even allowed to just move your arm above shoulder level. So, yeah, take it there. Anywho, um, so that's acute, okay? So we're talking this is like two weeks. So what can you do during this phase? We'll talk about it a little bit later, but you want to care for this. You should you want to protect the joint in the sense of you don't want to do anything stupid that's going to send it back into that um, acute injury cycle all over again. But with this, after those two weeks, you know, within those two weeks, do keep moving to where you're not having pain, okay? 
You want to keep doing things. You want to keep living your life. Uh, you want to make sure your lifestyle is supportive, and you don't want to do, you know, limit your alcohol, limit your smoking, um, limit, uh, make sure you're getting enough sleep, watch your diet, limit things that's going to cause like overall inflammation in the body because, and don't, for the love of God, do not rely on pain medication because what's going to happen is that's going to blunt the overall recovery of these areas. Um, and so you're not going to be able to bounce back as fast. But you do want to keep moving uh, because the more you keep, the more you move, and you know within a pain pain free um, region at least, the better the better your outcomes are going to be. So now DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness, typically related to uh, people who either like they go from not being very physically active to they become physically active like they start running um, They go to the gym even if someone hasn't really been doing much and they start doing a manual labor job um, The soreness that you feel of your muscles all over after is called delayed onset muscle soreness now the thing about DOMS is We don't really know the cause there are some theories some theories are as you do this stuff you form some micro tears in your muscles so that's why you might be experiencing what you are. Hmm. Um, could possible. Uh, some believe, kind of like we were talking about where pain comes from, that your nerve endings get a little bit hypersensitive. So that's why you experience DOM, because your body is trying to prevent you from um, doing too much because they're afraid that there's going to be injury there. Um, others, you know, metabolic. So basically, there's a lot of waste that accumulates in the muscle after you do, after you work out, and so the body is still trying to clear that area of that waste, and that could be what is contributing to it. So a lot of theories here. Realize with DOMS, DOMS can last anywhere from a day. So you, there, there's two camps of people with working out. You have some that they feel their workout the day after, like I am today, after my leg day yesterday, or there's some that feel it two days after, and very normal. It can be one to two days, all the way up to a week. Now, typically what contributes to a week is, this is a person that, they go to the gym, this this is all great time of year to be talking about this. Um, the people who haven't really been going, haven't been really been working out, haven't really been going to the gym, they go in, they go really hard the first day, and then they're just so sore and they don't go to the gym afterwards. Or they don't go to the gym for the rest of the week, excuse me. At the end of that week, they're still very sore. Um, and a lot of times that's because, again, we go back to this. So the body will, quote, unquote, stiffen up. So if you hear people say, like, oh, I'm really stiff. Now, unless you're an athlete and you're just completely, um, you know, like a pitcher, for instance. So like a pitcher, after they pitch for, you know, so many innings, the next day they can actually have an increase in stiffness, like a lack of range of motion in their shoulder. Um because their body is kind of is trying to tighten down, because there is kind of like a little bit a micro acute injury that's happening, and so the body tries to tighten down. So you need to like take care of that. Well, the body does the same thing after you do a big workout. Your again, your muscles become hypersensitive because, despite what people think, a lot of times stretching is what's causing the injury. So if you overstretch, so for instance, um, I've had. Many typically older, like older guys, when I say older, I mean like 55 and older, um, who are like, they are walking down a bank, they slip and fall, their leg goes behind them where their knees like really bent, and they tear their quad. Why that is because you are overly stretching your quad, and what happens is you get to a stretch point and your quad tries to contract because it's trying to protect itself, and that leads to a tug of war, the muscle loses, and it tears, okay? So what is going on here with DOMS is that whenever you do so much exercise, the body is trying to send that nerve signal to that muscle, kind of make the muscle a little bit, like give the muscle more tone to protect it from going into an overly stretched range of motion. Now, that does not mean you actually lost range of motion. What is happening is just that, again, your nervous system is overreactive. If you were to sit there and stretch for a couple minutes, you would regain that range of motion back, not because the muscle itself got longer, but because the nerves um, 
calm down. And that's typically what happens. So what is the best thing you can do for doms? I honestly keep moving. You know, I tell people, my recommendation with people is always when you're not in the gym, go, um, you know, the days that you're not in here, 20 to 30 minutes, I want you to get a, um, a cardio session in. Now that can be, and that's like activity. So that could be going for a walk. And when I say this too, I mean like go for a, a brisk walk, not just moseying on down the street, kicking a rock. Okay. Um, going for a brisk walk, 20 to 30 minutes, the days you're not in here, that helps with the blood supply, that helps get your heart rate up, um, and that's going to help to loosen your system up. The other thing, too, you can do is even a light workout. A very light workout is really good for DOMS because, A, it does everything we just said that the cardio does, um, but it also works those muscles to a point that they start to recover because what you want to happen, and this is when, when people overly exert themselves and take a week off, they're not re-stimulating the inflammation process. You want to, with that uh, that easy workout, you want to re-stimulate that inflammation process just a little bit because then it's going to help the body to recover and repair that area a lot better. Um, so again, cardio is great for this. Uh, also, just doing a little uh, session can be helpful. Now, question I always get, should I stretch? Is stretching going to help my DOMS? Yes and no. It will help temporarily because, again, what stretching does is stretching desensitizes. What that means is um, you're taking the muscle to a point where it doesn't want to stretch anymore because its nervous system is telling it not to. But once you hold it long enough, the signals go back and forth between the brain. That's where the brain's finally like, you know what? This is fine. Like, this is obviously isn't hurting anything. So that signal goes away. So temporarily, you'll feel better. The issue that some people have is there will be a rebound effect. And once the body realizes that, oh, snap, like we've been kind of laying dormant here for a little bit, you might actually get an increase in soreness after that. So you kind of have to really be careful with that. Something else you can do, um, there's things like uh, Epsom salt baths, stuff like that, modalities out there such as um, you know red light, or red light beds and, and all of that. Um, massages. You can do that stuff. That stuff can definitely help temporarily to reduce that. Um, but again, there needs to be movement after that. You can't just have get a massage and that's going to make things better. All right. So moving into the third concept here, tendinopathy. So again, tendinopathy is where um, the tendon obviously is either acutely, subacutely. So that's like two to three, or that's like one. So like two weeks up to like three months, and then after three months is chronically. Tendinopathy is just a generalized term. The problem with the term tendinitis is, tendinitis is basically saying that you keep re-injuring the, the tendon. Tendinopathy is saying there's pain, there's dysfunction, there's something going on there, we just don't quite know what. Um, so it's a little bit more generalized, but I'm going to give you just a little bit of an idea of how long tendinopathies will last in certain areas of the body, um, and then we'll talk about a little protocol here on how to make it, um, how to bounce back quicker. So shoulder tendinopathies, this can be like rotator cuff tendon problems that people are having. Um, this can be a thing called subacromial pain syndrome. These can last three to six months. Now, I'm not saying that you can't get rid of shoulder pain. So like, for instance, if you are just getting back into working out and you are square peg round hole round hole just doing something completely just again just like banging your joints and doing something you shouldn't be doing sometimes all you gotta do is just fix how you're doing it and that makes it better literally um it's not always going to be three to six months but for people who have really severe tendinopathy it can take up to six months for things for like the shoulder and this is because, as I always describe, your tendon is like a slinky. If you overstretch a slinky, it gets all discombobulated. How you get a slinky back into its rhythm is you have to get it back to lengthening and then coming back together, lengthening, coming back together. Same thing with tendons. And so with a tendinopathy, you have to get it going through those cycles to where it's challenging itself 
and eventually it's going to adapt and it's going to become better. However, depending on the person, and again, we'll talk about some other things later on that's going to help uh, or that can contribute to this, you know, personal preference-wise, um, this can be up to six months. So this is where you really need to be patient. And another thing, too, with these, I will say this is what frustrated me as a PT, is that people get impatient, no pun intended, <laughs> people get impatient, and then what happens is they uh, just stop doing their PT, stop doing things altogether, and that's not going to help anything. So just realize that, um, you know, there's, uh, it does take time. Same thing with the elbow. The elbow is even worse. So like elbow tendinopathy, this can be golfer's elbow. This can be tennis elbow. These things can last six to 12 months. Again, not saying it, it, you know, can't get better sooner. Um, but it does take time. And again, there's a lot of other things that come into play here and we're going to visit those later. Uh, hip like hip tendinopathy. This can be internally in the hip. This can be muscles surrounding the hip. This can take maybe three, but it can even take up to 12 months. Um, and again, it's because they're big muscles. It takes some recovery. Um, also, leg, the lower body is tough because we use the lower body all the time. We don't walk on our hands. At least most of us don't. <laughs> um, unless you're a gymnast. Okay, a little bit different, but um, but we don't walk on our hands, but our lower body we use a lot. We use it for walking, running, going upstairs. So it's really hard to control the stress that's going on our lo lower body all the time. So, you know, with that, just being aware that the hips can take longer, lower body can take longer just because you are doing things. Now, I will say on the flip side, sometimes that works in your benefit. Sometimes because we're on, we're, we walk all the time, we use stairs and that, we can actually sometimes bounce back quicker. So, you know, for instance, like um, sometimes with the lower body, again, if you go for a walk, you know, if let's say you're experiencing that dom, you go for a walk, you can bounce back quicker sometimes lower body. Where the upper body, you're not really doing anything with the upper body that's super stressful throughout the day. So that doms can kind of linger. So, um, yeah, so hips... Six to 12 months, feet, so things like plantar fasciopathy, plantar fasciitis for some of you, um, the ankle is a big one, um, any ankle tendinopathies, um, such as like people have heard like peroneal or fibular, um, you know, tendon, like some sort of syndrome there, um, anterior, posterior, tibular, stuff like that, uh, there's a lot involved that I want to dive too deep here, but these can be six to 18 months. Now... The foot is a the foot is one area that is a little bit tricky. I hate two areas that I used to hate tra treating as a PT, and that was the neck and the foot, and that's because they last forever. Ankle pain, especially ankles, expect if you if you get a bad ankle sprain, you can expect there to be swelling for at least six months. I still, as I explained years ago. Um, whenever I was in CrossFit, I was doing a workout, and I was the the workout had a run portion in it. And the gym we were at, you had to run around the block. I was running around the block. I was going through a parking lot, and I was just so focused and tired at that point that I didn't see the pothole, and I actually stepped into a pothole, and I severely rolled my ankle. Grade two, grade two sprain. This thing was the size of a soccer ball by the time I was done. So I still that now this was this was five or six years ago this happened. I still to this day sometimes have to retie my right shoe because when I first put it on it's super tight, but then if I go for a run or I work out that fluid starts to move and then the shoe the ankle shrinks and then the shoe becomes too big obviously so I have to retie it. So yes, realize that it can be a long time for ankles. Now again Going back to what we talked about with acute injuries and all of these tendinopathies, that does not mean stop moving. That does not mean do not walk on your ankle. It does not mean do not put weight on your ankle. The thing is, again, about tendons is tendons have to move. Tendons have to be activated. That's how they heal. If they do, That's why, you know, for love of God, 
doctors will or, or someone will say, well, just don't do that. Like, just rest. No. Rest is a horrible thing for tendons. Yes. If you have a tendon tear, sure. Maybe we have to think about this for a second and, like, ease you into it. But still, within a month, you should be doing so – you know, within two weeks, you should be doing something. The problem is with tendons is if you take a lot of time off, that injury is still there. And because you haven't put it through its full cycles, it's not going to repair itself. It's going to stay the same. Um, the same thing is stretching. Do never, don't ever stretch, like, tendinopathies because it might – feel good temporarily maybe possibly but tendons don't like to be stretched again they like that full cycle and you're actually just going to make things worse so protocols for this protocols for tendinopathy type things include very slow deliberate progress movement okay so let's talk about let's say we're having tendinopathy in your knees okay so what we're going to have you do is we're going to have you do a squat okay that squat is going to be very slow. It's going to be four seconds down, slight pause at the bottom, four seconds up. Okay? You're going to do this for 10 to 15 reps and about three to four sets. Okay? Now, when I say progressive, I mean you need to make sure you're adding weight over time. And you need to make sure – so you're still challenging yourself. Again, those, those tendons have to be challenged. And you want to make sure you're experiencing discomfort, but that discomfort stays below a 4 out of 10. Um, about a 4 out of 10 is pretty good or below. So again, you want to make sure that you're experienced, that you're, uh, you're putting it through that full cycle. Again, that you're progressively loading it. If you have something like an Achilles tendon off, the Achilles, again, when I said foot, I was also referring to the Achilles. Um, can even be a little bit longer, but with the Achilles, same thing. Um, things like calf raises, make sure that you're doing them very slow, four seconds up, little pause at the top, four seconds down, make sure you're adding weight over time to keep challenging yourself, 10 to 15 minutes. Something else you can do is eccentric, so basically the down portion of the movement is really slowed down, so like four seconds plus, uh, but then you can kind of pop up with this one again. Same rep range for, or excuse me, yeah. Three to four sets of 10 to 15 reps. You want to make sure you're adding weight with this one. And yeah, keep doing it over time. You can do these three times a week. Something else you can do with tendinopathies is what's called isometrics. Basically, you're holding a certain position without moving. Um, now, so like, for instance, for squatting, uh, let's say you put a rack set up to where you're bringing the bar up or actually, no, let's, let's back that off. Uh, better example. So like a wall sit. So going back to the knee example, a wall sit will be, um, would be an isometrics because you're holding that position for a certain amount of time. Holding it up to like 45 seconds uh, can help with pain. Not always going to make it better, but can help with pain. Uh, so isometrics are a really good thing to do. Uh, three to four sets of uh, up to 45 seconds. Uh, and doing that a couple times a week. So this gives you a little protocol of what you can do. All right. Um, just got a little text here that Tom Brady retired. Oh, boy. Yeah, we'll see how that lasts. Um, but he's got a reporter job waiting for him, and oh, can't wait to hear that. Anywho, back to this. All right, number four here, stress pain. So stress... I'm going to try not to go too deep here. Um, when it comes to stress, again, it's the same thing. The stress can come in any form, but stress, yes, from the workout, but stress from life. Okay. When we're going through stress, as I always explain to people, we all tend to have a stress area. For many, it's our back, back of the neck, because this is where we guard, because our back and our neck are our trunk, our core of the body. And so that's, you know, no matter what we're doing, those are always taking on weight and experiencing gravity. But working at a desk, typically people will shrug up. They'll kind of guard their neck. That's just a natural response because we're trying to keep our neck from getting slashed by a tiger. Um, the low back, again, it's really just because there's a lot of weight going on our low back. Um, there's also, we have organs and things involved too. 
Um, there's a lot of nerves that go through our spinal cord, obviously. So these are all reasons too. But we all have a stress area. Um, and sometimes this helps to be aware that, oh, this is my stress area. I'm having pain here because I'm going through stress. So for instance, for me, um, my neck is the first area that gets affected. My elbow actually does too. My elbow is like whenever I'm like at the beginning of stress. My neck is okay, like we're at mild to moderate stress. My low back is typically what tells me like, okay, you're hitting like eight out of eight to ten out of ten on your stress level here. When I'm about to get sick, the left part of my back is actually what starts to bother me. That's what lets me know, oh crap, something's coming on. So just realize and appreciate the fact that you might just have a stress area and it might be a good signal that you need to calm down. Calm down. Okay, so there's the stress area there. Um, why is it? Why is this going on again? Guarding. It's your your body. When your body goes through stress, it guards because it thinks it's being attacked. Your body does not know the difference between um, someone between a spam call between someone posting a political opinion you don't agree with on social media, or you getting chased by a bear. Speaking of bear, has anyone heard about this cocaine bear movie coming out? I'm like very intrigued. If you haven't heard about it, go look it up. It's literally what it sounds like. Anyhow, back to the <laughs> back to your scheduled programming here. Um, so yeah, just realize that stress can cause pain. If your pain comes out of nowhere, no injuries, no no nothing. If your stress come, if your pain comes out of nowhere. Unless you are having appendicitis and you need to get your appendix removed, which is typically not the case, um, you, it's probably your body telling you that you are overly stressed or you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing or you need to move more. So try that. Last on the pain list here is chronic pain. This is one of those – this is a tricky one. Okay. So when I talk about chronic, this is people who have had pain in a certain area for three plus months, taking out the fact if they're cyclically, you know, constantly re-injuring themselves. But chronic pain, typically, they're not doing anything different. They're just, they keep experiencing pain. Many times we associate things like neck pain and, and low back pain to chronic pain. Um, but people can have chronic hip pain, chronic knee pain, whatever. What we need to understand with chronic pain is that chronic pain, again, we went up to acute. So with acute pain, there is an injury. There's something that's happening. There's a cycle that's starting. With chronic pain, it's typically not the case. And here's why. Chronic pain and pain in general is multifactorial. So certain causes include habits. So if you're a smoker, if you're a drinker, um, if you're if you're a poor planner, if you put yourself in the stress, if you, um, you know, there's so God, some if you drink a lot of caffeine, um, whatever, your habits can contribute to you having or being more susceptible to chronic pain. Um, your life, your lifestyle. If you're someone who stays up late, if you get involved in a lot of stressful situations, if you have a very stressful job. Um, if you're like a poker player, for instance, who late nights is typically when they do their thing, um, then lifestyle can contribute to this. Stress, talked about it just earlier. Stress is a huge contributor to this because as soon as we start to experience stress, again, your body is just a messenger, your brain is just a messenger. It's perceiving that you're going through something. And again, does no difference between um, your friend not texting you back for three hours. <laughs> Um, for your uncle getting on social media and talking about how um, no one likes to work nowadays, especially young people when you're a young person. Or this could be um, – this could simply be that, yeah, you are hunting and you hear a noise and you think it's a bear. Hopefully not a bear on cocaine. Diet. Diet's a huge one. If you have a diet that's very inflammatory based, meaning that you eat a lot of junk food and a lot of crap, a lot of processed foods, it's going to create that inflammatory response to the body. Again, inflammation's not bad, but whenever you're constantly creating inflammation and you're not actually doing anything that's causing, and you're not actually 
doing anything in a controlled way that's creating that inflammation, that can be bad. Um, your body does not like to go through inflammation on a regular basis. It likes controlled inflammation for a short amount of time, then it goes away. Sleep. Are you sleeping seven plus hours of unbroken sleep per night? Um, sleep is very essential. Sleep is very essential for recovery. It's very essential for reducing inflammation. Very important for hormonal control. And if we don't sleep well, um, then we're not going to recover well, and this is going to contribute to inflammation and or pain. Um, also realize that when you don't sleep well, it it sends off your sympathetic nervous system, your fight or flight system. Fight or flight systems make us way more aware of what's going on and kind of perks everything up. And so if there is an area of your body that might be going through, have a little bit of discomfort, boy, don't sleep and then you'll really feel that discomfort a lot more the next day. Movement, lack of movement is definitely going to contribute to this. Um, movement is medicine. You need to move. You need to challenge yourself. You need to challenge your body. You need to do not just like go for little walks. You need to actually do things that's going to challenge your body, whether it's cardiovascularly, whether it's weight training, what have you. Mood. Mood can really affect us. Emotions. My favorite is when people come in the door and they say, I have a high pain tolerance. Typically, that means no, you don't. <laughs> Typically, that means you're very aware of your pain and that's why you think that you have a high pain tolerance. Um, when some people come to the door and they say, I don't think I have that great of a pain tolerance, typically they do. It's just that their pain has gotten so high that it's now made them very aware. Those that you will typically see with this are ones that are a lot more emotional. People that are a lot more emotional, more high strung, um, are more um, on edge, things like that. Even just a person that has a lot of energy. Those are typically people that will be more susceptible to experiencing pain, more aware of their pain. They have um, a, a lower pain tolerance. And that's just because, again, their body is hyper aware. We talked about if you don't get, if you were a person who got five hours of sleep, four hours of sleep, you become more hyper aware. Well, that person is kind of hyper aware all the time. Um, so these are the people that really need to um, consider all the things I'm talking about because, again, they're going to be more susceptible to feeling that discomfort compared to somebody else. However, if you're someone who is very laid back and who doesn't really get easily excitable, um, you tend to not experience this as much. Now, obviously, I'm making a generalized statement here. Do not take this take this with a grain of salt. Do not think that just because you're someone who is stressed out all the time that this is going to be you. Okay. Um, mental health. Mental health is a huge part of this. If you are a pessimistic person who is always upset, mad, pissed off, um, you're going to be more affected by things like pain, discomfort, disability, limitations compared to those who aren't. So mental health, very important. Uh, a cycle, like I said before. If you're constantly going through a cycle here, it's going to contribute to problems. Um, also cycle too. If you are, like, for instance, if you're female and you're going through, um, like, menopause or you're going through ovulation or you're going through um, menstruation, this can actually really contribute to that as well because, again, your body, a lot of big hormone surges makes your body hyper-aware. Um, change or lack thereof. This is a very important one. So our body gets into a chronic state because we are doing the same thing over and over and over again. Sometimes all you need to do is just change what y'all doing. That means, um, you know, this could be the the, the phase the, or the big um, the big fad right now is ice baths and cold plunges. Things like that can actually really help with this because you are actually making your body you're you're getting your body to experience what actual pain and actual discomfort feels like. So once you get out, your body's like, oh, what I'm doing isn't so bad. And so it kind of resets the system with a new, um, kind of like a thermostat, just resets it with a new um, level for the thermostat, if you will. Things like saunas, um, so heat and cold, basically. Exercise. Um, exercise helps, if, especially if it's intense exercise, helps your body to see like, oh, this is what intensity feels like this is what a heightened nervous system feels like this is what discomfort feels like so what i'm going through is really nothing 
And so, or it could be you just have a uh, like your, it could be your job. It could be the fact that your job is just is boring. You're doing the same thing over and over again, and you're surrounded by the same people who just piss you off all the time. So you need a change, and that change is going to help. So making sure you're getting change. If I say all this stuff and you're like, Doc, you are so full of crap right now. I don't even know what to do with this info. Let me introduce you to a thing called phantom pain syndrome, phantom limb. Okay. So what this is, if you're not familiar, is this is people who typically had to get some sort of amputation. Whether it's, you know, from an accident, whether it's like a soldier in war, or it could be simply, um, uh, or it could be someone who had diabetes, had an amputation. But what they'll experience is, if you ask them, a lot of times they'll experience phantom pain. And that's where they feel like the limb is still there. They can still feel the pain in their foot. Meanwhile, they were amputated above their knee. Um, and again, this is where there's feedback going back and forth. It's not accurate, but the brain is perceiving the fact that they have pain in their foot, um, but that's not actually the truth. So again, just realize that because you're feeling pain, discomfort, dis uh, dysfunction, all that stuff, it's not always the fact that that's actually the accurate statement of what's going on. It could just be this is the message that your brain is trying to um, create based off the information that's given. All right, so that being said, as you guys know, we always end this with three actionables. So the three actionables to help you with acute pain, uh, delayed onset muscle soreness, tendinopathies, stress pain, and chronic pain are number one, care but not careful. Okay, I tried to be a little bit, um, tried to be a little clever with these, if you will. So care but not careful. After you know, a workout after an injury, when you're experiencing tendinopathy, whatever. You want to care for that area. You want to make sure that you're not being stupid, okay? That should honestly go through all, go for all aspects of life. Um, but, again, you want, to, you want to care about that area. You want to try to do all the things to make it better and help it to bounce back. But don't be careful, we tend to think that our body is is fragile. We tend to think that it breaks easily, and we tend to think that you know if we put ourselves through all the stress, it's just going to crumble. Our body is actually a very strong, robust, adaptable organism, and so we need to treat it that way. And how do you do it? By giving it good, controlled stress so that it can adapt. So again, care for it, care for your body, obviously, but don't be overly careful. Okay? Your body will bounce back. It will recover. Just don't be stupid. Number two, stress but not stressed out. So again, acute stress is good in the sense of, you know, as I said, like ice baths, um, using the saunas, um, exercise, whether it's weight training, whether – so like weight training because it gives you like the resistance part of it high-intensity cardiovascular training because it helps to get your heart rate up so that it can adapt. Um, you know, trying new things out, trying new hobbies, um, trying new activities, new experiences. These are all stresses on the body, but you're, it's, it's controlled so your body can react to it or it can respond to it and it can adapt and improve you for better outcomes down the road. But don't be stressed out. Where issues happen is people become stressed out 24-7. It affects their sleep. It affects their lifestyle. It affects their diet. It affects everything. And when your body is chronically stressed out, now it doesn't have time to care for itself or to heal everything or to help reduce inflammation. And so now you just have a hot mess. One big dumpster fire of a body that's trying to fix everything that, you know, when the body's a well-oiled machine, it's like your work. It's like your workplace. If you work in a good workplace where everyone's doing their job, everyone's communicating well, things are getting done, that is what a good well-oiled machine body is doing. If there's a fire um, with a certain um, department of the, the organization, they take care of it, they communicate to everyone, everyone helps overcome. That is what a good well-oiled machine does. 
However, if you work at a crappy place where no one does their job, they're there for eight hours, but they only work maybe three, no one communicates well, the person upstairs just yells down orders, and then people just become the frantic mess, that's what your body looks like chronically stressed. Don't be that company. Number three, pain but not painful. Okay? Pain but not pain space full. So you need to experience discomfort. You need to experience things like pain. It's totally fine. Um, again, that's how your body adapts. But realize that pain is just a perception of your body. It doesn't actually mean that there is tissue damage happening. But what I mean by painful is realize that if you're experiencing pain throughout your entire body, if you're experiencing an ongoing part of pain, if, you, if things become super painful, it typically means there's a change that needs to be done and you need to figure out what that is. Okay, so again, three actual care but not careful, stress two, stress but not stressed out, and three, pain but not painful. Y'all, thank you so much for listening in on this. Please, there are so many people around you that are going through pain, discomfort, or limitations right now that need this podcast. So please share, do me a favor, please like, please um, subscribe. Till then, any questions you have, please reach out to me, let me know. Till then, see you on the flip side. Thank you all for checking out this week's episode of the Healthy Fit and Pain-Free Podcast. If you would like more content that is easily implementable and no BS, you can join our Facebook page at Healthy Fit and Pain-Free Podcast. Uh, To learn more about Inner Strength, visit our website at innerstrengthpgh.com or you can simply email us us at info at innerstrengthpgh.com. We have two locations in Pittsburgh right now. One is our West location in Coriopolis slash Robinson, PA, and our second location, which just recently opened, is in the South in Lawrence, PA, in the southern part of Pittsburgh. We also partner up with K-Specific Nutrition. They are a locally owned business full of dietitians, registered credentialed dietitians who can help you with just general nutrition, sports needs, and also medical information. You can also contact me at Tyler at innerstrengthpgh.com or check me out on social media at dr.tyler underscore Bordick. Thank you all again. We'll see you on next week's episode.